Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program that gets you inside NRG Stadium, inside our minds, which can be a dangerous place to be. It's Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on a beautiful Tuesday. Now, I hesitate to say beautiful. A lot of people think it's too sticky and cloudy, but it's warm, and I'm preferring it over the deep freeze, so we'll just start there. Think positively. Johnny, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm thinking positively, Mark. I'm right there with you, but uh, it is sticky. Let's let's be honest. We're yeah. we're moving in that direction. That uh, yeah is <laughs> we know it's coming. We know it's yeah. coming, and all of us, all of us, all of us in the city of Houston and surrounding areas said back in mid to late February when that freeze was here. I don't care what it takes. I need summer to get back here. Well, it's coming. And so be careful what you ask for, because it's Mm -hmm. almost here. Yep, no doubt about it. Hey, a little bit later on in the show, Chester Pitts signs the ceremonial one day to retire officially as a Texan. It's pretty cool because he's going up to the draft, so that's going to be great. We will visit with him in segment number two. Final segment, go over our draft coverage, because you don't want to miss a second of it, what we're going to be planning for you this weekend. Not only on Texans Radio, on Sports Radio 610, but beyond, as we will be all over this draft. And, Johnny, you are obviously a huge part of it. Johnny, if you go down, there's no pressure here, but if you go down, there is no backup, okay? You are it. This is like one of those games where Shane Leckler is the next quarterback up if you go down. You're the QB of this thing, so we need you, my friend. So don't, you know, take any risks. Don't cross the street without looking. I don't even know if you should be driving. You should have a food taster. We need you this yeah. week. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It is, uh, first of all, if something were to happen, I'll just, I'll send you my big document and you can just uh, read verbatim what I have to say. It's, it's always fun because you can always kind of sprinkle in some of the little things of watching a guy and find, you know, how I found this guy. And, and it, that's always kind of fun to, to add in. And then, of course, the local angle. You know, guys, you know, Peyton Turner from University of Houston, who at number 67 may be a very solid pick for the Texans. You know, went to my son's high school at Westside. You know, my son went for a few years and and uh, then went to University of Houston. So I always like those Houston connections. The last few years we've had, we've definitely had a few. But, you know, the quarterbacks in this draft, Mark, are what make it really interesting. And I guess interesting is the right word because, you know, we could have quarterbacks go – one, two, three, four. I don't think they go one, two, three, four, five, but they can very easily go one, two, three, one, two, three. That I think is definitely happened. It's the matter of what San Francisco is going to do. Uh, and hopefully we all live to see Sunday because that I think would make Kyle Shanahan very, very happy. Apparently. Don't we all think that the recent success of seeing guys play well early, when you look at Deshaun Watson, you look at Baker Mayfield looking good pretty early. When you look at last year, Justin Herbert looking really good early, Kyler Murray looking good early, that plays into all this, where teams are thinking, I got to hit lightning in a bottle, or maybe I can hit lightning in a bottle, and I'm going to do it. Mac Jones, hey, welcome to the NFL. You're going to start, maybe not day one, but maybe week three, but maybe week one, and we'll see how it goes. I think there's a lot of pressure on these young kids. Well, the, the irony in some sense of all the guys that you, you mentioned, all of those players that you mentioned, the one that started the latest mm-hmm. is maybe the best one, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. had the opportunity to sit behind Alex Smith. He played – Mahomes played in that Week 17 game against Denver, but that was because the Chiefs had it sewn up. They knew where they were going in the playoffs. 
They lost that next playoff game to the Titans, and then Mahomes took over. Smith traded to Washington, and obviously the rest is uh, is history for Kansas City. But he got the, he got a chance to sit, watch, and we said that draft night. I, I look, I was always Mahomes' biggest supporter. That I know he can do this, and if you give him time to learn, my goodness. And I think it's the same with with some of these guys, even Mac Jones. For as elite as his brain is about football it still would help to be able to sit and watch a vet do it and yeah. understand that I, Herbert week two last, you know, he's thrown in the fire because Terod takes that shot and it goes haywire and it, and he can't play Herbert steps in. It's like, he didn't look back. Uh, Baker Mayfield took over, I think in week three, Sam Darnold took over in week two, I think back in 2018. Lamar took over halfway through. Josh Allen was starting when he came to Houston in week five or six back in 2018. These guys have all started in their careers relatively early, and that's the thing. There's no sit and wait anymore for the most part with one exception, and that might be the pick at three because Jimmy Garoppolo is there. Now, the 49ers can trade him and do some things. I actually heard this proposed, and this is crazy, and I don't even know if I want to bring it up. I heard this proposed by Jim Miller. Jim Miller of Sirius XM Radio said to his partner, Pat Kerwin, he said, Pat, do you think Robert Sala knows Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you think that they might trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, give up something later in the draft for Jimmy Garoppolo, and then draft Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or whatever, one of those pass catchers at number two? And I was like, that's so – hold on a second. That is so New York Jets. Yes, it's very New York Jets. Because I don't think Jimmy's the answer. I do think Zach Wilson right. can be the answer in due time. And so after a while, it's kind of like, I wouldn't do it. But it makes but, some sense to think about. But don't you think that Jimmy is the answer if Jimmy's healthy? I think a healthy Jimmy is a hell of a quarterback. I mean, I don't understand yeah. – why people are so down on him other than a missed deep throw in the yeah. Super Bowl. And I know that team ran the ball well, and he wasn't all world. He wasn't as lights out as he was in those first few starts that he had late in 2017, and it was looking so promising. But to me, I believe he's good, but you can't put all your eggs in that basket, obviously, because of the injury-prone issue. I, I am with you, and I feel like injuries are just hope extinguished. Because yeah. how many times – I mean, think about what we felt about – Will Fuller, Thursday night, Miami, 2018. The three of us are, are talking, me, you, and Andre, and we're like, yo, we're getting this thing cranked up now. Look yeah. at us now. Will tears his ACL, and all of a sudden we're like, and it was the same thing for Will, yeah. just a different position. The injuries always just popped up. And you never, you're like, can, can we trust it? We were always asking, is Will going to play? Yeah. And you can't do that with, with your quarterback. There's no way you couldn't, couldn't really do it with your receiver, but you couldn't do it with the quarterback. And I agree with you. I think if Jimmy were healthy and you knew, okay, we're going to get out healthy Jimmy for almost 16 weeks, if not 16 weeks in 2019 and the 49ers go to the Super Bowl. So, you know, he was a, he wasn't the biggest part of it, but he was a big part of what they were doing. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I think Jimmy gets a bad rap for that Super Bowl performance. Yeah. The Chiefs defense, was good in that game. He missed one throw, and all of a sudden it was like, no, got to get rid of him, got to move on. I, I, I don't know. I don't buy that. If I'm the 49ers, there is no way I'm giving up Jimmy unless somebody blows me away because yeah. 
I could draft a quarterback number three, but I just gave away a lot to get up to number three. Now, yes. I guess that means you sort of have to play the guy you draft, yet are you going to be good right away? You're in the toughest division in football probably still, right? Yeah. And you want to make noise right away. Are you going to be able to do it with Mac Jones or whoever you draft right there? I'm throwing out the Mac Jones because that's the wildest theory, but I guess it's not that wild since everybody's yeah. talking about the possibility. Johnny, are you ready to play who's better draft Let's day go. edition? All right. Let's go. Let's go. You mentioned quarterbacks. Now you're mentioning Correct. all the uh, people who have these top picks and all the sexy picks and everything. Yes. Let's get into some of the unsexy quarterbacks. Okay. And I'm not right. even going to include Kellen Mond in this group. Okay. Oh, he's, okay. he's not with the top group in sexiness, but okay. Kellen Mond is still, Hey, he looks pretty good. Right. I mean, he could be a top, yeah. top three round pick for sure, but let's, Go deeper, shall we? Okay. Who's better, Johnny? Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, and I'll even throw in, because I put him in Vandermox previously, Sam Ellinger and Ian Book. Who's better? Who are you taking out of that group right there? And it, it's kind of a loaded question in some sense, because if you said, hey, you've got to take one in the third, fourth round, then I focus on Mills and Trask. Now, I have Mills slightly ahead of Trask. And... It's there's not much separating the two. I think Mills is probably a little bit better overall athlete. You know, the athlete things we talk about. Oh, he can run a little bit faster. But I think, and both of them throw a pretty ball. And Davis Mills was a five-star. I think he was the top quarterback coming out a few years ago out of high school. So he is very talented. Again, injuries. He played, I think he started 11 games. Well, injuries and COVID. He was going to be the guy this year. And play a full season. And he would have gotten 12 games in, 13 combined with, what, five or six starts last year. You know, now he's a season and a half starter. Now you've got another six, seven starts at least to go on, if not more. So I think we would have found out a little bit more about Davis Mills. I do think Mills over Trask, not by a whole lot, but I would go Mills over Trask. Now, if you tell me you can't take one until late day three, I'll take Sam Ellinger over Ian Book. Okay. All right, because Book does not have the running tools and all the athleticism that Ellinger has. Is that what is this yeah, is I coming think, from? Is that where? It's yeah, I, from? I mean, I think there's maybe a little bit something there with Sam Ellinger that maybe I can build something. Maybe it's a goal line package. Maybe it's something. The same at the same time that he's learning how to play quarterback. Right. And I don't know that either one of them are going to ever throw it exceptionally well. But I thought Sam threw it better at the Senior Bowl than Ian. I thought he threw it better at times throughout his career, even though Ian Book was pretty darn good in 2020. I do think that Sam showed me a little bit throwing. Neither one of them just have, you know, they're kind of, um, I don't say weak arm, but they don't have the strongest of arms. So there are going to be some throws that they're not able to make, and that mm -hmm. I think is going to be what holds them back. But uh, you tell me sixth, seventh round, seventh round-ish, I can take one of those two, I'll take Ellinger. Okay, here is Texans version. Who's better? Let's do it. Second round picks. We have Chester on tonight. Ooh, he was drafted yeah. in the second round. So who's better among these second round Houston Texans all-time picks? Nick Martin, BMAC, Connor Barwin, D'Amico Ryans, Chester. That's a bunch of second round picks from various points wow. in Texans history. Ooh. And gosh, as I read that list, one name really does stand out above the rest, in my opinion. But there are some things to consider here. So your thoughts. My gut says D'Amico. I mean, he's defensive yeah. rookie of the year. He was the captain. He was the soul of that defense. But, man, the longevity for Chester, though, 
I mean, Chester was so good on one of the best lines. Those would be the two that come to mind. BMAC was, I, I don't, I hope that BMAC, I hope Texans fans will remember BMAC the way that, that he should be. And I mean, you right. talk about a guy that just left his guts on a field at all times. And he was the one that everybody answered to. And I, I will forever say this about BMAC. Whenever the chips were down, they had a sudden change. BMAC was the first one on the field. And he would be looking at all 10 guys coming on like in the eye and he would be just clapping and getting them going and like getting that defense and the right mindset on a sudden change. I saw that numerous times with him. And I know D'Amico had that as well. And I think D'Amico was probably a little bit more advanced as a linebacker. So I'm going to go D'Amico Ryan's on that one. Okay, cool. Third round picks, Johnny, who's better among these all time Texans third round picks. And we're not going to list all of them, but here's a group for you. Eric Winston, Steve Slayton, Earl Mitchell, Brandon Brooks, and C.J. Fedorowicz. Who's better? And by the way, while you ponder that, at the Houston Sports Awards last night, the Houston Sabercats, that's the rugby team, right? They had a table. And I don't know who the guy is, so I apologize for not knowing his name, but he had to have been a player. There's no question. And he kind (laughs) of looked like a mini C.J. Fedorowicz. And he had scrapes. He was wearing shorts. He had these scrapes on his knee yeah. he had like a big gash taken out of his nose <laughs> and he's kind of a good looking guy but he had all this like damage and i thought that is the best walking advertisement for rugby i've ever seen i mean that guy's awesome you know he looked like he just played that afternoon just showered up and went to the houston sports awards so uh good luck to them anyway cj fedora it's too bad he had to retire because of the concussion issues but he was a heck of a pick so who do you got in yeah. this group i think i'm gonna take winston of that group okay. I think being on an offensive line, I felt so bad for Eric because the torn ACL coming out of Miami probably cost him being a first rounder. And, you know, who knows what that, that money is uh, back, in, back in those days. But that said, I thought Eric was always solid. I just always liked how I felt good with him over at the right side, doing any other. That just felt like a really good tackle tandem to have. CJ was so good in 17. Uh, no, sorry, 16. 16. 17 was hurt, but 16 – Gosh, I mean, Brock looked him up. I mean, big plays in 2016. CJ, yep. CJ made him. But I'm going to go with Winston just for the fact that I felt like Eric played consistently better over a stretch of time than anybody. Brandon Brooks will come out of there as the most decorated, but I think, unfortunately, the decoration was more about what he did in Philadelphia. He was yeah. good here, but he went to great in Philadelphia. So I'm going to go with Winston on that one. Yeah, and Earl Mitchell, real solid player, no doubt. Yes. Continued his career elsewhere, San Francisco. Uh, I love Steve Slayton. You know that the one yeah, year was same. so wonderful. I mean, oh. he is the NFL one-hit version, one-hit wonder version right there. Uh, you know, he's the night Chicago died by paper lace. He's safety dance. <laughs> what is that? Men without hats. <laughs> you know, he's Mambo number five from Lou Bega. He is. He <laughs> is. There's no question. Now he might not like it that we call him that. <laughs> But, but he was so you know, good that year. He, he was so, so good. good. He it's led just, the AFC in yards from scrimmage. I mean, you know, he led all know, look, rookies. There's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can do. He, I mean, he ended up getting a neck issue and, you know, yeah. injuries, you know, curtailed his career. But in 2008, he had so many great memories. He, he came on the air with Sean and I uh, every, like, third Monday. And I'll never forget, it was after, I think, the Cleveland game. He came in for the last hour. And I just saw him come in the booth. We were all excited to see him. And all of a sudden, he just, like, we get to a break, like, Slate's, how you feeling? He goes, 
This is the first time I got out of bed all day. And that's what I really, truly understood what an NFL running back goes through in a game when they carry it 18 to 20 times. Not even, not even carrying it 30 times. Like, you know, a guy like Derrick Henry will do. That's when I really got it. Cause I just, he looked miserable and his, it was, it was awful. I hated seeing him like that, but that's when I really understood. Okay. This is brutal, man. You add five or six catches or whatever onto that. And it's all those car accidents and it has a cumulative effect. No doubt. Okay, let's go to the fourth round here. Who's better? Texans draft edition, fourth round picks all time. These aren't all of them, but here are some of them. Kiki QT, Julian Davenport. I don't know why I put him in there. Ben Jones, Glover Quinn. And I can't even read my own writing here. Owen Daniels and Dominic Davis, now known as Dominic Williams. So who's better, Johnny? Who do you have in fourth round pick history? I'm trying to think of the way to explain this one, but it's almost like fireworks because Dominic, Dominic Williams, Dominic Davis, Dominic Williams, his blast was so boom, but it lasted for that long. Three years. Owen Daniels may not have been that loud, but it had the, you know, the, you know, the sprinkling lights that would fall afterwards. There was just, there was more, there was probably less bang, but a lot more bucking for longer. So I would go OD, but if I'm going short-term, just bang, it's Dominic. There's no doubt. I mean, he was phenomenal. He was, for three years, he was 1,000 yards. There it is. So good. And that little dump off over the middle by David Carr to Dominic Davis Williams was real money-making for the Houston Texans for a while. And, you know, we begged for that in some of these offenses we were yeah. finally getting it, uh, I think, uh, last couple of years here, finally throwing it short to the back every once in a while, and that can turn into big yardage. That can turn into 15 yards, sometimes more, sometimes just a first down, but you'll take that every time. Glover Quinn clearly yeah. was pretty good here, starting at corner, then moving to safety, but they moved on from him. I, you know, I'd love to talk to Rick Smith about that one. See, is that one you'd want back? You know, yeah. sign Glover as the free agent. You let him go to, to Detroit. Obviously, Ed Reed was, you know, that didn't work. So, right. you know, Ed Reed was almost Baselli-like. Ed Reed was kind of like Baselli and Amon Green had a transaction baby. <laughs> and that's what came out. You know what I mean? I mean, that's Amon probably Green. probably the best way to put it. That is well, probably the best way to put it. You may never say anything better than you just said. <laughs> People talk about Amon Green like like he was bad when he got here. Look, when he got here, he wasn't good. But Amon yeah. Green was a four-time pro bowler and shoulda, coulda, woulda been pretty good here, you know? Mm-hmm. It just obviously didn't work out injury-wise. And Baselli, we all know the story there. In fact, I'm going to ask uh, Chester this. So there he is as a rookie, and with Tony, you're thinking, well, you know, where am I going to play on this line? You know, am yeah. I going to play at all? Am I going to be able to watch and learn from Tony Baselli and Ryan Young and sort of wait my turn uh, and just get to know the offense a whole lot better? No, Chester, you're starting opening night of franchise history <laughs> and you're starting left tackle, by the way, the most important position. That's and Jimmy Herndon and God bless him. He's probably listening right down his way home. Jimmy Herndon starts at right tackle that night. I mean, that's like, that's the ultimate trivia question answer right there. Who started a right tackle opening night for the Houston Texans? Anyway, uh, so Ben Jones, kind of like Brandon Brooks, right? You draft good fourth round picks. Those are some really good fourth round picks. Yeah. Really good. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, obviously you didn't resign Ben Jones. So you have that. Now, I didn't give you a fifth rounder. But 
why don't we do it just for giggles on the fly? Who's better? Okay. I'm going to give you some fifth rounders. Fifth round. Charles Ameto, a couple of years ago. Let's oh, go. Oh, I know to... the answer to this. You Hang can on. stop. Hang on. I want to get, I want to, <laughs> boy, the fifth round is tough, isn't it? I'm looking through these fifth rounders. Randy, go Bullock. to 2016. Go to 2016 and go I'll to your go to fifth t- rounder. I'll go to my fifth rounder in tw- uh, DJ Reader. Wait. All right. Hold that name. Oh. Hold that name. Yes. Uh, I'll go to TJ Yates, also a fifth rounder in 2011. This is going to be more Reader. difficult for, for you than you thought. Uh, James Casey, Frank DJ Ocam, Reader. never mind. I uh, like DJ Frank, Reader. but, you know, uh, Brandon Harrison, no. Uh, Drew Hodgson, no. <laughs> we like Drew, but he's not going to win this contest today. DJ oh, Reader. Jared Baxter, fullback, baby. All right, DJ Reader, thank you. DJ but Reader. what about TJ yeah. as? Yeah, TJ's, you know, listen, did you ever think when TJ was drafted in 2011, I'm like, it's great, but he's never going to play. He's never going to play. And then as a rookie, he steps in. And it's so funny. I, I, I don't know if I ever told TJ this, but I was not a big fan of his in 2009 in North Carolina. I just like, uh Then 2010, North Carolina was due to have a really good team. And they had Marvin Austin, Robert Quinn, and a few others. And they all got suspended for, for some deal down in Miami. So I remember the first game of the year, 2010, uh, North Carolina's got to play LSU. And TJ Yates is just – he's doing stuff like he did against Cincinnati 2011. His socks are all askew. He's scrambling for yards at the end of the game. And he actually had them in position to maybe win the game. And I remember thinking, golly, he's really improved. He is a totally different quarterback ah. in 2010. And that's when he kind of changed my mind. Like, okay, yeah, this guy's got something. And when right. Texas drafted him, I was like, yeah. But it's DJ Reader. DJ Reader was completely dominant against the run. And – in his absence, I think we saw how dominant he actually was Right um, in 2020 when he was not there. Um, and it was unfortunate we didn't get a chance to see him with Cincinnati, and hopefully he'll get back healthy But uh, for his sake. But he was he was a mount. Everybody loved that guy. Everybody. That was a heck of a pick. I got one more who's better for you. This is not a draft edition question. This is college football edition because they've discussed expanding the playoff. So who's better? What's better? The four-team current format. Eight team, 16 team, or throwing a six with buys if you want. What do you want to see, Johnny? I would go, I like 12. You like 12? So the first four get buys. Yeah, first four get buys. I think there's got to be some sort of reward built in. And, And when FCS does it in a normal situation, that's what happens. They have 24, I think. And the first eight, I think, get buys. I think that's the way it goes. I can't remember for sure. But anyways, that I, I like having the buys in there because there's something there for the teams that have truly excelled. Mm-hmm. So I like having the buy in there as an incentive. So I like 12, I even like six because I want those teams to have a buy. That's why I like the way that the NFL has it with seven now. At least one team gets a buy. I like it better when two got a buy, but I like it with one because somebody's getting rewarded for being exceptional and i think that's the way the way it should be that they get rewarded for something so six or uh 12 i'm okay with because that gives teams some that gives teams buys home sites inevitable if you go to three weeks or more i'm fine with that heck yeah for the first first round, round yeah first round if you play those all on home sites even if you do the second round where the teams with buys get to play at their place ooh, that would be awesome because then you get down at that point That'll take you from 12 to eight. Right. 
eight to four. So those two rounds are taking place on campus, and then you're down to four, and now you do the playoff the way that you, you've been doing it. And you still have the bowls because I know people say, well, yes. what's the point? Look, the bowl, people will watch this stuff. I'll watch it. Heck I'll yeah. Wa- Absolutely. Heck, I, I watch the NIT, so don't talk to me about it. Johnny, <laughs> thanks so much. All right, Mark. Thank you. All right, coming up, Chester Pitts. Let's talk to him the day he signs a one-day deal with the Texans ceremonially to retire as a Texan, getting ready to ship off to the draft this weekend. We'll talk about it next on Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Texans Radio. Texans Radio. It's Texans Radio. Joining us right now is the Iron Man himself, Chester (laughs) Pitts, who today has fulfilled a dream, really, right, Chester? I mean, you, you get the one-day ceremonial deal to retire as a Texan, which sure. I thought you did, but I guess you were with the Seahawks for a while, but now you really close the circle by coming home and having this event today. How is it for you, Chester? First of all, um, always a Texan. Um, this is, like you said, a long time coming, and um, certainly you wish it happened sooner than later, but. Um, in God's time is when things happen. So I'm just, just truly excited. I'm happy. I'm honored. My family is here. My wife is over here looking at me right now, all giving me the goo-goo face because she's so proud of me. Um, have my kids here. My very good friend Tamara's here as well. What's up, baby? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to El Presidente, Mr. Grissom, down, you know, right, right down the way, just saying hello. And of course, baby sister. Oh my gosh, and Mr. Mac. So because of COVID and you know, distancing and all that good stuff. Uh, my sister, who is oh, three years old, um, just had her first baby. But we've been doing our best to stay out of the way, you know, because until the baby gets a little bit bigger. But my, but this is everybody's first time really seeing the baby, hugging the baby, holding the baby. So this is it's a heck of a day right now for us. Very emotional. Oh, that's terrific, Chester. Well. Hey, I know you have a role with the team this weekend during the draft. So what can you tell us? What do you know right now about what you'll be doing as you go to the draft on behalf of the Houston Texans? So, you know, the draft and really everything the NFL does is fairly cloak and dagger. They try to, they love to wait until that <laughs> last moment so they can control everything that comes with it. Right. Uh, so all I know is uh, my COVID tests have been sent <laughs> to make sure I'm all good. I know my flight has been booked and then I know the driver for when I land. Other than that, I, I know that there is a pick that I am going to announce. Other than that, the details are real slim. When I land and I get some more info and I get my new itinerary, you know, you're going to be the first call that I make. I'll screenshot it and send it to you and we'll have to jump on the teams and do it again. <laughs> all right, I get it. That information is given out on a need to know basis. Only. 100%. 100%. I, I totally understand. Hey, when you reflect, and I know you saw a bunch of your teammates at the Houston Sports Awards this week, when you reflect on your career playing on the O-line for the Houston Texans, what stands out to you? What's the prevailing thought, memory, memories? What can you tell us, Chester? Oh, man. So so obviously there's a lot that goes on with football. Um, If there's one thing that just always resonates with me, though, is, is the city. Is, is, is the fans, is the supporters, is the, the contacts and, and, the, and the humans that I have met along the way. And ultimately, I have to give the credit to football paving the path, you know, to, to be able to have a lot of the experiences and the people that I've met along the way. Um, football is, you know, football is an amazing job. 
And you got to always keep it in perspective. You know, I'm, I am not a football player. I'm just a big, handsome guy who happened to play football. There is a difference. Uh, I'm dad to my children. I'm, I'm, I'm husband to my wife. I'm brother, uncle, cousin to a whole lot of folks and obviously son to my parents. Um, and I think that that's what, that, what I've learned the most and what I experience the most and what I carry me carry with me the most is, is those experiences and, and the humans that I've met along the way. All right. Well, I want to get back into the game itself for a moment, but you mentioned sure. that you're more than a football player. You've been an actor. You've been <laughs> a talk show host guest on a national platform. But I, I did an article recently and I did it because I wanted to Aaron Rodgers was hosting Jeopardy and I wanted uh-huh. to talk about Texans who have done things outside the box in entertainment and Watt and you JJ Watt and you have done the most of anybody with the Texans. Arian had Hawaii five Oh and a couple of that other was things, nice. of course, but tell me about some of the experiences and how that all got rolling Oof. for you because you had the Super Bowl ad, you had all the yes. Ellen appearances, the amazing race, yes. all of that. So, so I, I have, we look here. My, my buddy Ephraim and I, when I say we missed the window, you know, we missed the social media window by five years. It, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, the, the NFL super ad is really where it all started. And, and just going from, you know, a local level, a local NFL starter to full on national, it was, we were the number one ad in the Super Bowl. I mean, let's just be real. So, so what that did for us and, and then, and then everybody used our bites. We, we were on Howard Stern. He was using our bikes. Howard Stern talked about me for 17 minutes on his show the next day because he talked about how, how great of a guy that I was. Um, and then you roll that into uh, we did Amazing Race. Um, obviously, working, you know, working on TV at, at NBC and CBS was crazy. We were the first offensive lineman ever on the best damn shorts, the best damn sports show period yeah that's it right. Dance sports show period we were the first so I mean just just all the opportunities that we got to do going to get my MBA um it, all of those things led in and tied in and it was just absolutely awesome I mean like you said be, you know being able to do some acting gigs and do you know I still get a couple residual checks every now and again they're like 13 bucks and 28 bucks but I don't turn down checks when they show up at my front door that's why actors and everybody wants to get to syndication because that's where the real money is. Money comes forever. So it's just, it's been awesome. It's been a wonderful experience. I have, I have nothing behind me to regret. I, I wish I would have won more games. I wish I got to play in the Super Bowl. but, but in real life, I mean, just the the beautiful life that I've had thus far. um, I I just, I, I don't think I could have even dreamed or imagined just being where I am right now and accomplishing what I've accomplished thus far, you know, thus far. And I shoot, I still got, I got another 40 years, maybe even 50 years, Lord willing to live. So, I mean, I can't, I can't wait to see what else is out there for me to accomplish, but I just keep plugging away. I just keep going to work um, and, and keeping my offensive, my offensive lineman mentality will always put you in a great spot. I do not care about the notoriety. I do not care about standing out in the crowd. I just care about doing the right thing and doing the right thing for the people that I love. Well, a lot of people know your story. Maybe a lot of people don't, though, because we always have new listeners, new <laughs> viewers. So tell us, Chester, because Ephraim claims he discovered you at the grocery store in San Diego. But then again, Kyle Turley does, too. So which I, is it? First, what happened? First, first of all, am I am I oil? Am, am I gold? What do you mean you <laughs> discovered me? I, I, they kill me when they use that verbiage every single time. But the two of them battle over it. 
because they were to, they were together at the same time at the store. So one just wants to one up and take credit of each other. You got to remember Ephraim and Kyle were opposite end tackles at San Diego State for four years together the entire time. So them competing against each other and who had, you know, who gave up the most sacks and everything. That was always a, a battle that they always had between each other. But ultimately, yes, I was a big old kid, you know, pushing carts at the grocery store and, and two guys that played ball for San Diego State. Well, I really initiated the conversation, but ultimately I sold them on the ability and the fact that they saw me pushing in like, you know, like 30 carts at one time. Remember back in the day before they had the little robots and they had (laughs) big motors to push them in. It was human power to get all the carts back in place for all the customers that want to go grocery shopping. Um, But I mean, long story short, they, they, they put in a word for me. I I ended up walking on at San Diego state uh, started for two years and I performed really well at the combine. So all of that kind of fell in, you know, fell into a row. And then I impressed the coaches, you know, you know, coach Palmer, remember coach Palmer, sure. I impressed coach Palmer when he came out to San Diego state, uh, he, he would draw up the plays and then he would flip the formation and change the defense. And I could still block every single assignment. And he was like, okay, this kid's got a head on his shoulders. Let, let, and, you know, he's, and he's got some feet and talent. He's just raw. He just needs to be taught. And look at that. I went from, best case, a fifth or sixth rounder to getting drafted in the second round by, by a new franchise, the Houston Texans. And it, it's, it's just been an honor ever since. And I just, I truly appreciate it. And I'm just super, I mean, I'm so excited right now. It's crazy. Right, so <laughs> it's back, crazy. <laughs> back then the draft was Saturday, Sunday, first three rounds on Saturday. So what was Saturday like for you as here we are in draft week, what was the experience like for you anticipating when you might get picked. Well, that was the thing is leading up to the draft, I was going to be, I was a second day guy. There was no question about it. I was a second day guy. And we were just hoping to be early second day. Um, but two days before the draft, my agent started to hear a little bit of buzz about me and they, you know, the numbers and everybody, wow, this, I mean, the kid can play. He, you know, he, he's got some real gifts and talents. And did you see him move? So I hoped but, you know, you, you go through that first round and, you know, the first round is so long when you haven't been called. So the first round was forever. And, you know, the second round was kind of dragging along. And I had gotten to the point where the pick before the pick before our pick was the 49th pick. And that was the San Diego Chargers. So in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, if I'm going to go in the second round, it's going to be the team that has seen the most of him because, you know, the Chargers, they come to practice several right. times, come to games. I mean, cause it's local. It's right there. Uh, and then when they did not call my name and they called Rishay Caldwell's name, I was like, well, all right, uh, let, let, let's, let's go outside and have some fun. And then, and then the phone rang and the house went still and quiet. And my mom screamed out, Mikey, pick up the phone, Mikey, get the phone. You know, I grabbed the phone and, 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 and it was the Texans in there. Are you healthy? Are you, are you ready to go? Are you, you know, do you, are you ready to be a Houston Texan? Hell yes to everything you just asked me. And, and, and they made the pick and it came across the bottom of the TV and it was, it was, it ended up being real. And I did not expect it to be real. And my family went crazy. Everybody was hooting and hollering. So uh, just the memories that it, it jogs and all this brings back is just, it's kind of overwhelming, but I, I really love it. And I enjoy all of it. All right, related to your first training camp, Chester, and here we are, you're about to start opening day. And 
I imagine heading into camp, you weren't quite sure how it was all going to work out because maybe Tony Baselli plays, maybe he well, doesn't. Yet Ryan I Young, fully, I was fully expecting Tony Baselli to play, and I was going to learn from a guy that's a heck of a lineman that's got a chance to get into the Hall of Fame. I had no plans. There was no thought in my mind that I was going to be a starter on opening day, being a you know a drafted guy from San Diego. Say I wasn't from the you know big program like Miami or you know the big school. So just when it happened, and get out there and go play and. You know, coach just told me, he said, when in doubt, go fight. And, yeah. I, and, and, and those are the words that, that, that just resonated with me because there were times when you're not sure and you don't know. He said, just, man, pick the guy you think is the right guy and just go try to whoop him. And if you do that, we got a chance. Uh, and that was what I would default to sometimes when, when I wasn't quite sure early on. I just picked the guy that I'd normally go block, and I said, let me just go get him. Just get out there, get my hands on him and fight him and just make sure my guy doesn't make the tackle. And if I do that, I'll deal, I'll deal with blocking the wrong guy later, but at least I whooped him. <laughs> what, what advice would you have now for young Chester then? Not that you're not young anymore, Chester. You're still young, but you were younger. So I, younger I, I Chester getting understand. into the league, what would you tell him right now? Oh, younger Chester coming into the league. Because um, it seems like remember, you played everything uh, very well. What's that? Well, but you can always do, you can always do things better, always do things better. And the one thing I would say to my younger self is there is a reason you have one mouth and two ears. <laughs> listen, listen more, absorb information more. And even if you do think even if you do think that you're smarter than somebody else, still take in the information, disseminate the information and make the most of it. Chester, it's always fun to visit with you. Congratulations on the one day and best of luck at the draft representing the Houston Texans. We appreciate it. Truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And obviously, big shout out to the McNair family, you know, just for making this happen. Um, Easterby, Casario, Cully, you guys made it happen. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Chester. All right, brother. Chester Pitts, one of those people who are impossible not to like. He is fantastic and so great that he's always a Texan. And going up to the draft to help out, announcing picks and whatever else they're going to have him do up there in Cleveland this week. Coming up, short segment, but a good one as we go over draft coverage. Some thoughts on the Houston Sports Awards last night. Some former Texans I saw. What they had to say, it's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Up here on Texans Radio. Up here. Don't forget, Texans Radio will be on all draft long starting Thursday night. Pre-draft show, 6 o'clock. D.P. Sidhu and John McClain kick it off. And then we'll get into everything. John Harris does every hour of the draft. I'm going to do most of it. Sean Pendergast helping us out. Clint Sterner helping us out. Tyler Milner from Sports Radio 610 helping us out. Robert Hensley, Andre Ware on night number one. Man, we got a lot of guys to get to, a lot of people to comment, and it's going to be a lot of fun covering the entire draft, including the first round. Look, the opponents are picking. You have all the quarterback drama. That's going to be great. And as the draft progresses, listen, Texans Draft Live is the show you want to check out on digital media, social media. So it'll be on Facebook, Twitter. Snap face, Spacebook, all of it. I'm still using those Bill O'Brien coined terms for social media platforms. And we also have great games to play on the app on HoustonTexans.com. You can participate, so check it all out. Texans app, HoustonTexans.com, all the coverage, all draft long. 
The Houston Sports Awards were last night, and this is an organization that honored our founder, Bob McNair, last year. They gave him the Lifetime Achievement Award, and, of course, the McNair family bringing pro football back to Houston in 02. Andre Johnson inducted last night into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame. I saw Gary Kubiak last night talk to him about retirement. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's done. But he's definitely on the sideline right now. You just know that mind's always working. He's thinking about things. He wasn't specific, but I just have that feeling. Drew Doherty got that feeling, too, after we had a recent visit with him at his ranch, his ranch property, and talked about some moments in Texans history to get his reaction. You know, video, documentary-type stuff. That's what that shoot was about. But anyway, it was great to see him last night. And I don't want to miss anybody, but I saw Matt Schaub last night. I know he was on the air on Friday. In fact, I forgot to bring this up with Johnny. Because Schaub was asked, had he not gone down in 2011, he was injured week 10, had he not been hurt, would he have won the Super Bowl? Would the Texans have won the Super Bowl? And he said 1,000%. Which I know he was not criticizing T.J. Yates when he said that. Schaub would be the first to tell you Yates did a remarkable job as a rookie being thrown into the fire like that. Hey, it's going to be Matt Leinert the rest of the way. Leinert's got this. No problem. The funniest meme I saw at the time and look, Leinert didn't put this out. People put this out, but it was funny. Was Leinert one of those hot tub pictures, you know, where he's got all the all the women around him? And the uh, the caption was, Houston, I got this. That was after Schaub went down. It was pretty funny. But it wasn't so funny when he got hurt in less than a half of football and Yates had to come in, but Yates did a great job. Anyway, I do agree with Schaub that their chances were probably better that year than they were the following year. Why? Because Brian Cushing was still there, and he was having a tremendous 2011 season. Did not go to the Pro Bowl that campaign because he missed it in 10. Remember, he sat out the first four games of 2010. But in 2011, he had a Pro Bowl caliber season. But he gets injured in Week 5 of 2012. Now, the defense is still good after he leaves, but it's not as good. It's not as good as it was when he was in there, and toward the end of the year, they were playing linebackers that they had to sign as street-free agents, people like that, and it just wasn't the same in that middle of the defense, and I think it would have been a whole lot better. I know it would have been a whole lot better with Cushing in 2012 down the stretch. A stop here or there, and you're looking at possibilities of home field advantage throughout the playoffs, and imagine what would have happened then. Chester was there last night. We just caught up with him. Earlier in the show, saw Kylie Wong, saw Kevin Walter, some of the new Texans, or current Texans rather, as Whitney Merciless and Justin Reed were there. So it was great to see all those guys. And shout out to Patty Smith and the Harris County Houston Sports Authority for an outstanding award show as we really had a tremendous night. Jim Nance got the Lifetime Achievement Award, Houston Texans season ticket member, and he gave a rousing speech. And nobody fires you up about Houston more than Jim Nance. I mean, maybe some other people do, but he fires me up about Houston. And it flashed back to me last night. I meant to tell him about this, but Super Bowl 38, the Super Bowl after the 3 season, Nance had that 38 Legends of Houston Sports night to kick off Super Bowl week, Monday night of game week, and the list was endless. It was Pastorini and Andre Ware and Mary Lou Retton, and it goes on and on and on, of the 38 Houston Sports Legends, and Nance just loves this city. That came through strong last night. You're going to see that event on TV soon enough. I think they're televising it this weekend, and you'll see it several times. 
on AT&T Sportsnet, I suppose, coming up soon. Anyway, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Thank you, Eddie, for producing. We'll be back on tomorrow with Draft Wednesday, then the actual draft on Thursday. Have a great night, and go Texans.